Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I have an amazing episode for you today. It's with Inner Circle member Megan. Before we dive into the episode, though, quick announcement. My 30-day calorie cycling challenge is back. We start on July 6th, but you can register today, and the link is in the show notes, or you could just go to jordansyatt.com, www.jordansyatt.com, and you can join right there. I will let you know three winners of the calorie cycling challenge will get $1,000. Everyone who joins the calorie cycling challenge gets one free month in the inner circle. But I want to make myself very clear, this is not, and I repeat, this is not a lose as much weight as possible, as quickly as possible challenge. If someone loses 30 pounds in 30 days, we are not going to reward you for that. That is not a healthy or sustainable amount of weight to lose. This whole challenge, it's a challenge versus yourself, okay? It's not versus anybody else. It's not a competition to see who can lose more weight. We want to help you develop a healthier relationship with food. We want to help you lose body fat. And we want to help you get strong as all hell is really what we want you to, we want to do. We have training programs attached. You get, a full, you get a free month in the inner circle, so you get full access to that from joining the challenge. And throughout the challenge, our goal is to help you learn how to enjoy your favorite foods in moderation while still being able to lose fat and develop a healthier relationship with fitness altogether. So the link to join is in the show notes or just go to www.jordansyatt.com. You can sign up there. We start on July 6th. With that being said, let's get into the episode with Megan. I really think you're going to enjoy it. It was a wonderful conversation, especially, especially if you've, you, you know what you should be doing and you know what to do in order to get your nutrition in check, but you've just struggled with actually doing it. I really think you're going to like this episode a lot. So Let's get into it. I'll talk to you soon. Megan. Hi. Oh, what's going on? It's so good to talk to you again. Me too. I'm so excited. I'm stoked. I loved, loved our last call, which I can't believe was already, I think the last time we spoke was September of 2020. Yeah, it's been a while. Time flies. flies. (laughs) It's crazy. I feel like it was a month ago. That's insane. Yeah, I also felt that. And I remember having the thought of like, how could so much have changed so quickly? And then I realized it was actually so long ago. Crazy. But but how is everything? How are you? I'm doing well, you know, just getting through the, the last little bits of this pandemic, hopefully, and looking forward to moving on and getting back to some normal life soon. Good. Good. I love it. Well, I... Uh... I know you're busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I, I looked through the email, but I don't want to put any words in your mouth. So how about you just tell me what's going on and, and we'll see if I can help. Yeah. So I just want to preface this with the fact that like, I really even struggled to like send this email and make this call and have thought about canceling multiple times uh, because <laughs> I am just like have gotten to a place that I really was hoping not to be at again. Um, for a little bit of background, I, about five years ago, was the heaviest that I'd ever been and lost about 30 pounds. Um, I was really happy with that. I was feeling really good about just like my lifestyle in addition to like whatever weight had been lost and had done a pretty good job of keeping that off within like 10 to 15 pounds. Um, and recently have struggled with a lot of regain and ended up right back 
where I was um, at my heaviest point, which has been really, really frustrating and definitely has come with a lot of shame and a lot of like frustration for myself for like being here again. Um, And with that comes a lot of like questioning not only how I got here, but like what I want to do about it now. And yeah. yeah. And one of the things that has consistently come up is like, I almost canceled my inner circle membership because I just felt very um, undeserving of being there. And like, I wasn't using it. I wasn't working out. I wasn't following any of the nutrition guidelines, even though I knew like what I wanted and needed to do. Um, I wasn't using the Facebook group because I was feeling really disconnected from like fitness and health in general. Um, And then again, struggling to like even send this email and try to get this call going because I felt like I wasn't doing enough or I didn't know, or I knew what I needed to do and just wasn't doing it. And so I didn't deserve Mm -hmm. the help, um, which has been a challenge, but I'm glad that (laughs) I'm glad that I'm here and I'm glad that we're talking. Um, but I'm that was so like a very glad. real experience. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you didn't cancel this call. Uh, and I'm equally glad that you're so willing to be very open and honest and have this type of a discussion, um, for many reasons, not least of which, you know, one of the things I do is I, I try and help coaches become better coaches. And, and one of the most common uh, questions I get from coaches nowadays who are are just up and coming in the field and trying to they they really want to help people. Uh, but one of the most common questions I have is they'll they'll say like, "What do I do if a client stops responding to me?" Right? Like everything was going really well, and and we were working together, they were interacting with me, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they stopped replying to me, and initially, oftentimes the coach's first response is to think that the coach did something wrong and that mm-hmm. maybe the client doesn't like them anymore or whatever it is. But in reality, it's what you're going through right here, which more often than not, oftentimes it's the client feels guilty and there's some level of shame around not doing what they know to, they know what to do, but they're just not following through and they feel guilt yeah. or shame around it. And I think this is this is going to help so many people. It's going to help coaches to understand that, like, how to maybe approach a client who's going through it. But then for the hundreds and thousands and millions of people who go through this for, for years and years and years, it's good to know they're not alone. Like, this is so common to to go through these periods of ups and downs. I, I'm really, really grateful that you decided to to still hop on the phone with me. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here, and I think. Like, I really do hope that it sends that message that people aren't alone because I, I got that from a couple of the recent podcasts that you did with, um, Deanna and Mm. Kaylee or Haley. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. One of those, but it just like, I could have sworn you were talking to me in both of those (laughs) and it really is helpful that like they went on and put themselves out there and did that. And I'm so grateful to them for that and to you for having those conversations. Um, and so I felt like I owed it to myself to not cancel as much as I really wanted to. <laughs> it's so funny with the podcast. I don't know if I ever told you if you've heard, uh, the whole reason I decided to start this podcast in 2018 is because 
I was coaching people. I was doing one-on-one coaching and I would get on the phone with people and I'd have conversations and I was having the same conversations with different people from all over the world, from different walks of life, from different socioeconomic status, from different jobs, from different upbringings, from different everything, but the same conversations and people were struggling with the exact same things over and over and over. And I was like, I wish there was a way to record (laughs) these conversations so people could know they're not alone because I think there's a lot of power just simply in that, in simply knowing you're not alone. and then when I found out there was the ability to record calls, I was like, all right, this is going to be perfect. <laughs> and and for whatever it's worth, it's it's because of people like you who are willing to hop on and, and be very vulnerable and open about this that that makes this so helpful for so many people. So again, like thank you for for not canceling and for being open to chat. And uh, and for whatever it's worth, the the last call that you and I had, it was published in December of 2020, uh, mm-hmm. is still one of a one of the most popular podcasts. I had so much great feedback on that. People really enjoyed listening to you. So I'll actually, I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Yeah, I really loved doing that. And it was, it was interesting because I went back and re-listened to that recently, um, just to remind myself of some of the strategies that I had figured out that worked really well for me um, and recognize like that those are still really effective, um, and that there are things now that have just changed in life that, you know, as it does, um, that gave me a good kind of starting off point for like where I think we can, where I can go next and, and how I want to maybe approach things. Good. I love it. So, so I'm going to give you, give you the reins, like, and you sort of decide like where you'd like to begin and see, see what we can start with. Yeah. I think it might feel helpful for me to just think a little bit out loud about like where the shift happened. Um, Cause like I said, I had been maintaining that weight loss and particularly for the last two years had been maintaining it within like five pounds, um, which I was really, really proud of and really excited to like find a balance that worked for me and feel really normal. Mm. Um, I've had a complicated relationship with food for a long time and with weight for a long time. Um, I'm feeling very vulnerable today, so I apologize if I cry, but, um, don't worry about it at all, <laughs> at all. Yeah. So I was a gymnast growing up for 12 years, um, starting when I started competing when I was six and then ending my gymnastics career at 14. Um, and as I'm sure you can imagine, like weight and food and health is yeah. like a big deal. Yep. In gymnastics. Um, it's brutal also, in gymnastics. It really is. It's brutal. It, yeah, it's scary. Um, I was never like elite or super amazing. And so I didn't deal with half of what some of some gymnasts in the world deal with. But um, it's definitely a culture that breeds uh, disordered eating. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Abs- 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had a number of clients who who spanned the, the spectrum of, of like high school to like elite mm-hmm. high level collegiate. And it's, it's, it's devastating what it can do. It is. And, and there's lots of other things about it that are wonderful. Um, that's less of the wonderful things, but I was also, I've always just been a bigger person, like not a stick, I guess, um, which is what gymnasts kind of need to be a stick with muscles is what we used to always say. <laughs> um, 
and that's just never been me. Like I've always just been a bigger person. I was like, I developed at a younger age and I very quickly felt like out of place among those girls and was told constantly that I was too big, that I needed to suck in my gut. Um, like all of these things that, you know, at seven, eight, nine years old are really, uh, detrimental to, um, to positive body image. Yeah. At any, at any years old, but especially yeah. at that young of an age, right? Like no, it's never good. I don't care how old you are. Like that is not a good thing to hear. You're not going to leave that meeting feeling good about yourself. Right. Yeah, totally. And it just, I think like at that point too, I was of course at the mercy of my parents for like what they were feeding me. And I got a lot of backlash from, um, coaches that my dad was sending me with tuna fish sandwiches and a bag of chips for lunch. Um, but like that wasn't a healthy or appropriate meal for a nine-year-old, which it really is. <laughs> it really, I was literally, I was like, what the hell is wrong with a tuna fish sandwich and chips? Yeah. That's a great lunch. Yeah, delicious. And still to date, one of my favorite lunches. Um, but just really learning at such a young age that like things that are enjoyable aren't healthy um, and that if you eat too much, it's bad um, and all of those good messages. And so that has always been a challenge too, but, you know, I, because I was bigger, I also learned, like, I had to try really hard to maintain weight, to not get too big, to not be bloated so that my stomach didn't stick out of my leotard. Like, these are the kinds of things that I was learning. Um, and I've kind of, and have carried with me throughout my life. Like I gain weight very easily, which is just something I know about myself and it is what it is. Um, and so I've always felt that like, if I wanted to maintain or lose or whatever, like I had to be very strict with my diet. I had to be kind of on top of it. Um, which has been hard throughout my life. And anytime I'd gotten to a space where I felt like more normal or like more balanced, I guess, um, following that I would gain weight or like if I ever felt like I got to a point where I wasn't dieting then I would automatically gain weight um, which was an incredibly frustrating cycle to be in mm. so after the 30 pound weight loss five years ago I went up and down a little bit but for the last two years in particular like I had found a really good rhythm of like maintaining a healthy weight making healthy choices most of the time, you know, going out and having a couple drinks on the weekend or eating a bigger meal or whatever, um, but still being in that range and feeling really good. And so I think the downfall from that and, and going in the other direction um, has been really challenging for me because it has reinforced this idea of like, I can't, I can't maintain, I have to either be losing or I will gain weight. Um, which is not a place that I want to be in. <laughs> yeah, make, makes total sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, and I and the weight loss came or the weight gain came back after um, last summer. I was, you know, we're mid-pandemic, which is really challenging. And most of my friends had moved away. Um, and I spent a lot of time, like, just isolated, which... It's fine for me because I'm an introvert and that's all fine and good. Um, <laughs> but I started meeting new people and I met or, you know, got closer with people that I wasn't close with before. Um, I met my current partner, which was very exciting. And the social interaction that we were all having was sitting in the driveway 
drinking beer and eating whatever we could order, um, <laughs> which felt really good after six months of no social interaction whatsoever. Um, and I was good at first about like eating dinner before I went over there and then just having a couple of drinks. And then it really slowly transitioned into, I'm going to sit in the driveway and eat a pile of wings and, you know, it all, it all went sounds down great there. to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, until it was every night. Yeah. Yep. Which is where the problem comes in, right? That it's not balanced. It's not okay to do that every night. And I felt terrible, like physically. Um, I stopped working out because I wasn't enjoying home workouts anymore. Um, oh, and it all just yeah. really, yeah, it just really went downhill. So I finally got to a place where I had realized. I don't like the way I look right now. I don't like the way I feel right now. Um, and I've struggled with that too, because there is, there has been so much work done for me on like loving my body and all of the things that it does for me because I was so ashamed of it for a long time. And I know that like, because I love my body, I don't want it to look this way. I don't want to be looking in the mirror and saying the things that I'm saying about it. Um, because that's not fair to me either. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So that's the, the struggle that I'm at. Um, and I have been better over the last two months, um, been a little bit more consistent, making better choices. But I still feel like I'm, I'm back a little bit in that pattern of like, I don't think that I can find a balance again. And I certainly don't feel like I'm in one now, which is okay because I'm trying to lose weight again. Um, but I'm having trouble, I think, not getting discouraged and finding like calories that work for me, finding like a, a, not a split, but like a cycle that works for me as far as like still being able to live my life and not just be a recluse who eats healthy by herself all the time. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. How do, how do you, how do you have balance? Like how, how do you practice being regimented without being overly restrictive, right? Like how, yeah. how balance though? Cause I think that's a difficult balance to find. It's like, okay, I want to be regimented, but I don't want to be overly restrictive. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and finding too, that like, I've been playing around with my calories for the last couple of months because when I initially lost weight the first time, I was eating about 1,600 calories a day during the week. And realistically, I was probably eating far more on the weekends or at least one day on the weekend. Um, and using the calorie counter or the calorie calculator of yours, I think I calculated that like for a goal weight where I feel good, it's right, right around like 2,000. Well, that's um, perfect, huh? Yeah, which is good. And, you know, maybe this is a problem that you can help me brainstorm. Um, because I was finding that, like, I don't eat very much at breakfast or lunch. Like, I eat enough to keep me full and, like, I feel good about it. But it's, those are just not my favorite meals. And then by the end of the day, I have, like, a thousand calories left. And I, I look at that and I go, oh, cool. Like, that's plenty. <laughs> and then there's one day that I don't want to cook. So I get like takeout and those are, you know, 
maybe a thousand calories, but maybe they're more like 2000. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so having that many is almost like, it's almost really hard for me to actually be consistent with that because I, I get kind of carried away. Mm, okay. Yep. Yeah. All, all this makes total sense. So there's a lot to unpack here and there's a lot to discuss <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and not, there's a lot to unpack and like, Oh my God, what a mess. I mean, like there's a lot to discuss <laughs> and, and, and it's, this is all so common. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had conversations like this. And I guarantee you, um, there are many, many people who are going to be like, I feel like you're talking directly to me. Um, so the first thing that's important to discuss is, is just how common this is and the reason like this is so important to discuss is because as you know better than anybody like, like you know people are their own harshest critic and you yeah. can know something you can know something logically but emotionally it's sort of a different thing so for me to tell you this it's really important that you hear this in that one of my favorite quotes from a, a guy named his, Jim Ron is like that life is like the seasons, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's summer and everything is great and everything's going wonderfully and it's amazing. And then other times it's a dark winter and everything just seems to be going wrong. It's just nothing is going your way. And sometimes the season might last a month. Other times the season might last three years, but that's how sort of how the seasons work, the seasons of life. And I've noticed the same thing with fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even like I, I'm a fitness professional, but there are times in my career in which I lost a significant amount of muscle mass and gained a significant amount of body fat. Notably, the three-year time frame, I was coaching Gary Vaynerchuk and I was traveling mm -hmm. nonstop. And I went from being an elite world-class powerlifter to like who didn't miss a workout, literally didn't miss a workout for five years to maybe working out haphazardly one to two times a week and eating like junk and eating because I was in hotels and airplanes and airports all the time. Like you can see in my YouTube videos, I gained a lot of body fat and I lost a tremendous amount of strength. And I, I a lot of the habits that I had, ingr had ingrained over my whole life were, were not lost, but I didn't use them for three years. And, yeah, and that was clearly you. visible and it, not just visible physically, but in my blood work and all of it, like it was not, it was not the pinnacle of health. Yeah. But now, two years or I don't even know how, two, almost three years or so since I stopped coaching Gary, uh, two years now, um, I'm back to probably being in the best shape of my life and the most balanced in fitness in terms of I'm nowhere near where I was strength-wise when I was at the peak of my powerlifting career, but I'm way more flexible. My mobility is massively improved. My cardio is way better. My strength is still really good. Uh, I'm not nearly as lean as I was when I was a competitive powerlifter, but I'm lean enough to where I'm happy and also I can enjoy my favorite foods in moderation. Yeah, so yeah. the reason I say this is because had you spoken to me during that three year or even immediately after that three year period where I was just not happy with my body. I was, I was the weakest I'd been in a long time. I had the highest body fat I'd had in my entire life. I was not healthy from a physical perspective with the words coming out of my mouth would have been very different than what's coming out of my mouth right now. And I can almost guarantee you that if I'm lucky enough to have kids in the future, one, two, three, whatever, how many kids, there will be times in those periods of my life in which I lose strength. I lose muscle. I gain body yeah. fat just because 
some like you have other priorities and it doesn't mean you have to let everything go by the wayside but it means that you have to know that life is going to throw curveballs at you and you can't expect to maintain the same level of fitness every single day every single week every single month every single year and there's going to be fluctuations and my job i think is to not just tell you like this is what you need to do every day <laughs> to help you know to know what to do when the time comes and when when life permits you to do that right like it's yeah. and it, to be okay with it when life isn't necessarily going your way and to not be so hard on yourself so that when life does start to get back on track you can say you know what all right now it's time for me to take things in control and get in control and let's let's make this happen but you have to know that these fluctuations they're normal. They're part of life. Uh, this, this is one of the issues I have with, uh, with a lot of like weight loss studies, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. oh, an issue I have with weight loss studies is they're almost all inherently short term, whether it's two weeks or a month or six weeks or, or even six months. Like, it's not a long time to see, well, what happens in three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. Like, and and right. the, that study design would be very difficult to do with any meaningful amount of uh, like validity uh, and, and keeping track of each participant. But still, that's one of the major flaws with, with weight loss research is we're not looking at people's lifetime. We're looking in a very condensed period. And if we're being realistic with what real people, you and me, are actually doing over the course of a lifetime, there will be times in which your body fat goes up and your muscle goes down. There will be times in which your muscle goes up, your body fat goes down, and that's just part of life. That's just how it works. Sometimes you have an amazing job. Sometimes you lose the job. The company goes out of business. You get fired, you get laid off. You find something else. Sometimes you lose the job and you don't have a fallback. Sometimes you leave the job on your own terms and you get an even better job. It's like, this is life in, in every aspect. And the more we can normalize these fluctuations, the more we can not be so hard on ourselves and the sooner we can get back on track towards finding what we actually want to achieve. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And you're so right. And like, I appreciate particularly the piece about like, it has to also be the right time to get back into it. And I am thinking back over the last like three months maybe more, maybe six, but since I kind of realized where I had gotten to and I've tried multiple times to restart and I've tried to like get back into it and there's always been an excuse or a reason or something that was just like, it just wasn't sticking. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it's important to also recognize that there has to be the right time for that. Um, did, did, you read, now. did you read or study motivational interviewing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so because I, I, you're a mental health therapist, so I, I, I yeah. figured you had. One of the parts when I began studying motivational interviewing that really stuck out to me, that, that really like made a huge impact on me as a coach was right in the beginning when they talk about for someone to really make a change, they have to be ready, willing, and able. Right. There's like the three words that they used. And this always stuck out to me for someone to, to be at a point in which they're they can make a change that's going to last. They have to be ready, willing and able. Not one of those or two of those, all three ready, yeah. willing and able. And there will be times in your life in which maybe you aren't ready to you aren't willing to and or you aren't able to. And if you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, 
during a time <laughs> in which you are not ready or willing or able, well, then you, that's where guilt and shame comes up. And then you think, well, what's the point of doing anything at all? And just because you might not be ready, willing, or able to do everything or maybe to do it as intensely as you would have otherwise, it doesn't mean you have to give up everything. There's always something you can do that no matter how small will still contribute towards your health and your overall fitness. Yeah, you're so right. And another piece that often comes into motivational interviewing is like the idea of motivation itself, Mm. which we often look at as like being willing Um, but there's this formula essentially that like perceived capability plus willingness is what actually develops motivation. And that's like, yes, you have to be ready, willing, and able, but you also have to like have the belief that you can. Um, Self-efficacy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think that that comes into play so much. And like, as I think about the last few months in particular, trying to like get restarted, I would have like three days of really great success and then something would fall off where I like had a really rough day, wanted to take out, eat this huge meal and went, okay, yeah, see, I can't stick to this, Um, which obviously significantly lessens that motivation to keep trying. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's one of the best. I'm so glad you brought that up. This is such an important part of achieving literally any goal, but uh, especially pertaining to health and fitness, I always, I use this example. I'm not sure if you've heard me say it before, but if I told you that you had a 99% chance of winning the lottery, all you had to do is spend $10,000 on like lottery tickets. You had a 99% chance of winning the mega millions. Then even if you had zero money in your bank account, you would find a way to raise $10,000 to get those lottery tickets because you knew you could pay off that anyone who loaned you money easy. Yeah. It would be an issue. You would do whatever it took to get $10,000 immediately because it was a, a for sure chance. You believed you were going to get those mega millions. On the other hand, if you had a million dollars in your bank account, and I said, hey, you have like a 10 or 20% chance of winning the lottery. We'll say a 10% chance of winning the lottery. If you give me $10,000 right now, there's a strong chance you're not going to give me that money, even though you've got plenty in the bank Yeah. because you don't believe that your chances of succeeding are high enough. So why would you bother doing that? It's the same thing with health and fitness. If you don't believe that you can actually achieve your goal, then why would you bother working out? Why would you bother counting your calories? Why would you bother eating foods that like, of course, a bucket of wings is going to taste way better (laughs) than a salad. Of course, anybody who says otherwise is a liar. I would way rather have pizza every day than a salad. But like, I, when you believe in your ability to succeed and that belief is true, well, then it it all becomes worth it. And your motivation to do it increases. You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to agree with you. And, um, I had a really interesting moment the other night in thinking about like self-efficacy and motivation. Um, when I was watching the Olympic trials for gymnastics Mm. and listening to the commentary about the routines of like, you know, to my eye, even having done it, like there were things that they were mentioning. I'm like, are you serious? Like you're going to get a deduction for literally not being at a perfect handstand. Like that was the (laughs) one that stuck out to me so much that I was like, the only way that we learned like as gymnasts to get 
outcomes was to be perfect. And of course, then when you're not, like it's going to kill that self-efficacy. It's going to kill the belief in yourself, in the like willingness to try anything. Um, and I remember thinking to myself at that moment, like, who the fuck cares? Like <laughs> she didn't hit a perfect handstand. <laughs> who cares? And that to me was a big, like, it was an aha moment of like, yeah, who cares? And also like a huge show of how far I have come um, mm. and a good moment for me to be like, yeah, I, I can do this. You, you, I love that. And I love how like that, that comparison. It's, it's incredible. Um, it's always interested me what happens to these athletes once their career is over and, and not even just these athletes, because the, the athletes at the Olympic trials, there's such a teeny tiny percentage of the overall athletes who've given their entire life to try to get to the trials mm -hmm. and to try to get to the Olympics. Right. So we see such a small percentage of the athletes who've given, who spent a fortune and spent their entire life trying to get to that point, but they don't get there. They, they miss it by a spot, two spots, three spots, whatever it is. I've always been so fascinated by this psychology of it because you bring up a really good point about how they're they're always chasing perfection and these athletes mm -hmm. are perfectionists in their own sport. Every it has to be perfect. And when that's ingrained in you from such a young age, that carries over to other aspects of life where if it's not yeah. perfect, then why bother trying? And I see this in so many elite high-level athletes who when they were younger, they were the best or the best near the best of the best of the best. They they didn't make it to the Olympics or whatever, but they were close. And then they really struggle transitioning into quote unquote regular life mm -hmm. because they've been taught that if it's not perfect, then why bother? It's it's a really dangerous mindset to just say it has to be perfect or not at all. Cause not only is it wrong, but it, it does a significant amount of damage. Yeah, definitely. So do me a favor. Mm -hmm. I, I think a, a good place to to move forward from here is I want to know what is what is your goal? Like, what do you want to achieve? And another way to to phrase that might be in six months, what would it have to take for you to look back and say that was worth it? Like, I did it. Yeah. Like what, what is success for you? That is a super good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> and one that I'm like hesitant to answer because I, I hear already that it's something that's so out of my control <laughs> technically, but like this, <laughs> what I envision is like getting back down to the weight that I had maintained previously, where I felt like I was like having a good balance, felt good in my body, felt good in my clothes, uh, felt healthy and strong wasn't getting sick as often um, and was still able to like live my life, that would be a success point for me. Um, because even now, like I've noticed myself fighting to like, I had, I had to buy some new clothes cause I just didn't fit in mine anymore. But even still, I'm like, I don't want to go out with my friends. I don't want to go places where I have to put on nice clothes or like try to look cute or whatever because I don't feel good and so it's not just like how I feel I've noticed it's also impeding just my ability to live life mm. um and I don't like that okay yeah that makes total sense so yeah. so 
do you want to stick with that goal uh, of getting to your previous weight? Is, and there's no right or wrong here. I just want to know, like, is that <laughs> goal that you want to stick with or do you want to alter it? And, and again, there is zero right or wrong. There is zero judgment. I just want to know what would be success for you. Yeah, I think that's the goal that I want to stick with. Um, okay. I was sitting right around like 175 to 180 before, and I felt like that was a really good number for me. Perfect. Okay, amazing. Um, so to start, how about we begin with a really important concept? I actually discussed this on Instagram a little bit the other day. I was surprised at the response I had to this. Someone asked me, like, what's what are like some of your tips for maintaining a weight? And mm-hmm. and it's a conversation I want to have more. But the the th- first thing that popped in my mind was so many people struggle with weight maintenance because they think that they're supposed to maintain literally the exact same weight. It's you've seen my weight every single day. Like you drink a bottle of water, you're going to weigh a pound more. You can't expect to weigh the exact same every single day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Conception is that you're going to weigh the exact same, which is why I prefer a range. And I heard earlier, you said you were within a five pound range, which I loved, but I will say, I think a 10 pound range is a better range than five. Just like in my opinion, because I mean, you could fluctuate five pounds in a night. Like like it's five pounds. It sounds like it's a big enough range, but you have a a pizza one day, whatever it is. You just, I don't know, you're bloated, menstrual cycle, any number of things. Five pounds is is very easy to fluctuate in and out of. Whereas 10 pounds, I think it's a little bit more realistic that you'd stay within that range. I have had some clients who during their menstrual cycle, like they'd go upwards of 10 to 11 pounds uh, leading up to their menstrual cycle and then it would fall. It's like that wasn't the norm, but I have had some. So I, I like to have like that 10 pound range as a marker of success. Uh, so would you want to say somewhere between 170 to 180 or 175 to 185? Um, I think between 170 and 180. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, that makes sense. I think that's a, that's a, an okay goal to have. That's totally fine. Um, now the question is, how would you like to get there? Yeah. And this is something I've put a lot of thought into um, because I've been thinking about like all of the things that I've learned in the last year and a half in the inner circle and like from following you for a long time. And I've found a couple of barriers, which the first one is the one I mentioned earlier that like I get stuck in this thinking trap of like, oh, I have so many calories left over for today. I don't need to count or I don't need to be cautious, like whatever I choose will definitely fit within that. Um, And the things that I find to be like treats and that I would want to like integrate into my everyday also aren't necessarily foods that can fit into an everyday thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never been like a big sweets person. So like for me, like eat a cookie is not as exciting as, (laughs) you know, eat some pizza or whatever. Um, You and me both. If it's like you, you like pizza and wings for me, like Uh, that's, that's like it. You you yeah. hit the nail for those. Like those are great for me. Yeah. If I could eat buffalo wings all day every day, I would. <laughs> one day, one day you and I are going to have to eat buffalo wings together. <laughs> 
Okay. We're going to have the the next inner circle retreat in about a year from now. I hope you go and we'll get a big bucket of Buffalo wings. That sounds perfect. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. That's like my ideal day for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, but that's a challenge that I'm coming into is that like, as I'm sure, you know, eating a meal of buffalo wings can be upwards of like 2,000, 3,000 calories, oh, which easy, easy. does yep. not fit any goal. And so that was one of the barriers. Um, and the other one that I was noticing was that I was like really tired of counting calories by the weekend. Like I was mm-hmm. really strict about it during the week and I have been, um, And even though I've been allowing myself 2000 calories during the week, I normally eat right around 1600, um, just with work and everything like that's sort of where I fall. Um, and then by the weekend, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to count every single thing that goes in my mouth. And I'm usually home more. So I'm eating like smaller meals and snacks in between. Um, I often try like new recipes on Saturday night. So then those end up being just a lot of stuff to count. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So those are the things that I've been running into and I have some thoughts about how I want to manage those, but I would like to get your feedback on those thoughts. All right. So, so do you want to explain your thoughts to me first and then I'll give you my feedback or or how would you like to do that? Yeah, that would be good. Perfect. Yeah. Um, What I was thinking because I am like pretty much sticking to 16, 1700 calories during the week without issue. I'm wondering how effective it would be to like stick to that number and then either like not count on the weekends with a couple of bright lines or just have like really high calorie days on the weekend or maybe one day during the, during the weekend, like on Saturday when I know I'm going to go out with friends, like not count, just let that be what it is and then move on from there. Um, okay. That's, that's kind of the route that I was thinking about, but I also recognize that that could potentially lead to this more restrictive pattern of like, be really good during the week and then all out binge on <laughs> one day, which is not where I want to be. I, I think you just hit all of the nails on the head and you brought up <laughs> all the the potential pros and a serious potential con as well. Um, So I sort of want to do what you said um, and discuss about potential variants for it in terms of if you are totally fine tracking your calories during the week and staying in that calorie range, like I don't see a reason why we should – why we should change it if you feel okay with it if you're fine doing it if you're if you're not tired of doing it like if you're okay doing that during the week i'm totally fine leaving that the way it is um going into the weekend it doesn't mean we have to keep that but i'm just putting that out there for right now going into the weekend let me ask you a question let's Mm -hmm. say you crush it during the week you hit Mm -hmm. your calories you're you're bang on you go on the weekend and you end like you eat I don't know, on Saturday night, we'll call it on Saturday night, you eat uh, a whole ba- a whole thing of buffalo wings. And in your head, you know it's like 2,500 calories. Like, you know that. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, when you wake up, is your mindset, cool, I enjoyed it. Now let's get back on track. Let's have a good day. Or is it, I ruined all my progress. What's the point? Let's just keep digging, digging the hole. It's usually... Um... Sorry, did I cut out there? I got another No, call. no. No, okay. no. 
Um, I usually am able to get back on track, um, at least with like breakfast. And, and this is more recently slash when I've been in a good balance. Um, for a while there, like I was just like, I, nothing matters. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. That's fine. <laughs> um, but in, in like my normal state of functioning, I'm usually able to be like, cool, that was great. Today I'm going to have breakfast and like see where the day takes me. Um, okay. Which is also maybe an issue that it's not like I'm going to get back on track. It's like, let's see what happens today. Okay. So, so here's, here's what I think. I think if you can, if you, and this really comes down to you knowing yourself, right? So if you mm -hmm. told me like, Hey, I'm the kind of person that if I have uh, a, a huge night out and meals and whatever on, on Saturday. And I know that that's going to lead to me just saying, screw it on Sunday. My advice will be different. And the conversation will be different than if you say like, Oh no, like if I go out on Sunday, I like, I enjoy myself. I eat a lot, whatever it is. Like I have no problem getting right back on track on Saturday. Like it, the, the conversation we have will be different. So, so as of right now with where you are, do you, where do you think you'd fall on that spectrum? Um, I definitely think that I could like wake up the next morning and be ready to be back on track. I don't really feel deprived when I'm not eating like the bigger meals or like the more enjoyable things. Um, as long as I know that I can fit it in somewhere. And what's been discouraging is like, I can't fit it in on like a normal day. So I really have to plan for it. Um, which it. I'm okay with doing. Got it. Okay. Um, and, and how many calories did you say you were eating during the week? 16 to 1800? Yeah, usually no more than 1800. Okay, perfect. Um, so here's what I would say. I mean, during the week, if you're hitting between 16 and 1800, like that gives you a significant amount of leeway during the weekend, like a lot. And, and if we yeah. think about it, this is sort of like, calorie cycling where you have lower calories during the week and then higher on the weekend. This is like the weekend warrior approach to it, which right. it can, it works very well for some people. Some people prefer more of an alternate deficit where like, uh, like during the week they have like Monday, low day, Tuesday, high day, Wednesday, low day, Thursday, high day. But other people prefer more of like low days during the week and then high days during the weekend. There's nothing wrong with this at all. It's very common and it works super well. And this is why I'm thinking, okay, this, this could be great for you. Um, I think, I think you said something that made me not want you counting calories during the weekends, which is that you said you just get really tired of counting calories by the weekend. Yeah. Right. It's like, so I think the worst thing I could do is say, I need you to count your calories during the weekend because that's not going to happen very long if it's just something that you have no desire to do. It seems like from what you've said, and tell me if I'm wrong, during the week, it's not a problem. Like you can do it. It's yeah. not really an issue. But by the time the weekend comes, you're like, screw this. I'm not really, I don't want to do it. So our goal and our job here is now to find another way to allow you to enjoy your favorite foods, but also help keep you on track, not just with what you're eating, but also mentally as well. Like to, hey, it's okay. Like I didn't just screw everything up. So, totally. so I, I love, and you brought this up earlier. Like I clearly you've, you've watched all the inner circle stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> your stuff. like you brought up the bright lines, which yeah. I think that's where my thought goes to, which is let's you're not going to count calories during the weekend let's come up with some bright lines that might help you stay on track and also uh 
for me, how do we keep your self-efficacy high throughout the weekend? And how do we guarantee that you don't feel like you are not feeling like a failure when you're just enjoying yourself? So, so what do you think in during the weekend? What do you think one, two, maybe three bright lines could be that could help you uh, during the weekend? What, what do you think some bright lines would be? Some good ones? Yeah. The one that I think is going to be the most important for me is to only have like one takeout meal on the weekend. Um, okay. How realistic I, is that for you? Right now, I think it's pretty realistic. Um, my partner, who is wonderful, but also such an enabler, um, <laughs> is has been gone for the last couple of months. And so I've been doing a lot better. At, like, I don't need to go out and eat all the time. Um, so maybe two might be more realistic that, than one a day. Yep. I think that's much better and much more realistic. Yeah. And I, and I do think that that could make a huge deal or a huge change. Um, cause when I think about it, I'm like, Oh, that's still, still a lot, but it's a heck of a lot better than literally yeah. every meal. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. It, it's been so interesting for me watching have you do you track your consistency and it's totally fine if you don't but do you track your consistency either in the inner circle app or on your own yeah i do so one thing that's been very interesting for me watching people track their consistency is even when people have been like hey i was 40 50 60 percent consistent they're still making progress right yeah like they're still like even though they're not at that that coveted 80 20 <laughs> they're still making progress even though they're at 40, 50, 60%. It's like, and and it's a conversation which we're like, why are you discouraged? Like you didn't, you weren't even 50% consistent, but you still lost weight over the last few months. You're still moving towards your goals. This is a good thing. Like this is great. You were honest and objective tracking your consistency and you were able to really enjoy yourself while still making progress. Maybe it wasn't as fast as you wanted it to be, but Obviously, if you're being 40% consistent, literally an F in any school <laughs> grade, why would you expect to get as good of a results as, or as fast results as someone who was 90% consistent, which is an A minus? It's like, and yeah. that's what I love about the tracking. So what, what I'm thinking is, let's say, I mean, if you have two meals out mm -hmm. on the weekend and you've been super consistent during the week that makes up for such a tiny percentage of your overall meals throughout the week, like you'd still be making incredible progress. Yeah. yeah. I think I really needed to hear that uh, because I have been tracking my consistency and I have been like, I've been proud of myself for what I've done and also looked at it and be like, gosh, how can I be working this hard and only be at 50% or whatever? Um, and like you just said, it does make a difference. And I, I really needed to hear that. Good. If that's literally all you get from this call, it's a success for me because like that, you need to know that. Yeah. And, and, and if you, this, this is self-efficacy 101, right? Where it's like, if you think <laughs> you're failing, then why bother? But yeah. now, you know, like even if you're 50, 60, 70% consistent, you're still making progress. It, it yeah. just might not be as fast as your idealized version in your head would like it to be. But that's number one. Okay, it doesn't need to be rapid. And for me personally, I don't know about you, I would rather be able to enjoy more of my favorite foods, be less consistent, 
and still make progress than be more strict and make faster progress because being more strict sucks. Yeah. Like, it's not fun. I'm being very strict right now with my, yeah. <laughs> my jujitsu competition. It sucks. I hate it. Like, I know how to do it. I'm very good at doing it because I've done this for years. I've done it for wrestling. I've done it for powerlifting. I've done it for jujitsu. Like, I'm very good at this and it's totally fine. But it's way more fun for me to be able to eat pizza and wings on a way more regular basis. Like, yeah. I, and it's also, for whatever it's worth, like, I'm leaner now than I actually like to be. And this has taken me years to get, like, l over over 15 years in the industry to get to this point where I am happier at a higher body fat percentage than I am now. Um, at the body fat percentage I am now, my sex drive is down. Uh, I have to be more strict with my nutrition to maintain this body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. um, I'm way happier when I'm a couple body fat percentage points higher when I'm about like five to seven pounds heavier. And I can eat more pizza and eat more wings and have a beer and whatever. It's like, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't mean like getting super, 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 super high body fat and getting out of shape and putting yourself at risk of, of health issues, but finding that balance and understanding like, listen, I could give two shits about having a six pack at this point in my life. I know that would make me less happy than not having a six pack, but being able to enjoy my favorite foods on a more regular basis, right? And, and this yeah. is the, the tough balance that's that's hard to find, but you can make incredible progress and achieve your goal of getting to that range, 170 to 180, without being 100%, 90%, 80% consistent. You can get there. Again, it might not be as fast as you want, but you're still making progress. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I know like after I lost all this weight the first time, um, I remember being at 175 and that was my goal before leaving for a vacation. I felt really good about that. Um, and I remember being like, okay. And when I get back from vacation, like, I feel like this is a good time to keep going with my fitness goals. And my next goal is to see my abs and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it wasn't the right time. And I didn't, didn't stay with that. Um, but I maintained that range that I was really happy. And I, like you said, I felt good in that range. Cause I could have a life, feel confident in myself. And like, that was far more important than cutting to see my abs, which who knows if that would even ever happen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So the other thing I want to discuss, and I said, your partner is away right now. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that when your partner comes back, that you feel confident in your ability to still keep doing this uh, and and working towards your goals without feeling like a failure because, God forbid, maybe you eat out three times on a week, <laughs> right? Like, like, do you feel confident enough to know, hey, like, even when my partner comes back, if I start eating out a little bit more and my consistency drops from... 75% to 70% or 70% to 60%, you can still make progress. Like, do you feel confident in knowing that? I do actually. And he and I recently had a conversation um, about this because he's been trying as well to like be more uh, healthy with his choices. And um, we both are in agreement that like this is a, a habit that we want to continue. Um, and we really talked about like 
not ordering out just because we don't feel like making food, like ordering out because it's something that we actually want to eat mm-hmm. and are going to enjoy. Um, because we ended up on this just like rotation of four or five different restaurants where it was like, it wasn't actually enjoyable to eat it. Like it was just easy. Um, and I've even noticed like since being more consistent with like cooking at home and having healthier meals that like when I do order something out, it's much more enjoyable for me. Um, and that is really reinforcing for those bright lines of like, I'm only going to order out when I want to eat that thing, not just because I don't want to put something in a pan. Mm, that's a really wonderful concept. The, the idea of doing something because you enjoy it, not just because it's easy. That's, yeah. I love that. What a great, a great concept to be aware of and conscious of as you make certain decisions. I think that's incredible. Yeah. I think that's going to really help. Um, because it is like, it did get to a point where I was like, I don't even want this food that I'm eating <laughs> that I used to like so much. And there are places still that we would eat at that I even like haven't even gone back to because I just didn't enjoy it anymore. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. So yeah. do you feel, do you feel like, you have a good, a good handle on what you can do going forward to continue to make progress, to reach your goal, uh, without being overly restrictive, without it taking over your entire life, but also regimented enough in which like you can actually get there. Yeah, I do actually feel really good about that. And it feels like such a weight off my shoulders, even just having that acknowledgement that like, even if I'm only 70% consistent like that is miles above where I used to be um and I feel like I've been able to breathe and let go of some of that perfection um because even like I I tricked myself into thinking that like 80% is not perfection but if I must get to 80% to (laughs) make progress then like that is perfection that is exactly Um, right yes yeah that's right I feel like I can breathe again which is really really nice it's, I spoke with someone, yet I, my memory is terrible. It was either yesterday or the day before. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I can't remember like what, what day it was, but I can remember the craziest facts about people, like a client telling me in 2014 what deadlift they hit on a certain day. Like I'll remember that <laughs> number, but I won't remember what happened yesterday. But So it was either yesterday or the day before I was speaking to uh, an inner circle member, and they were like, I've only been 40% consistent, and they were so upset about only being 40% consistent. I was like, okay, well, uh, have you made any progress? They're like, well, yeah, in the last two months, I've lost six pounds. Mm -hmm. I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, number one, you've probably been more than 40% consistent, like realistically. But number two, I I didn't say that, but I was like, so you realize you've been 40% consistent and you've still lost six pounds in two months? They're like, yeah, but it's not as fast as like, as I could have. It's like, correct, it's not as fast as you could have if you were more consistent. But right. you lost six pounds in two months while being literally you got an F in school with forty <laughs> percent. That is a terrible grade. But you like if you get an F, like there's no positive about getting an F in school. But thank God we're not in school. Thank God for me, because I was terrible right. in school. You can get forty percent <laughs> consistency and still be making progress towards your goals. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be positive yeah. about rather than negative about it. Yeah, you're so right. And, um, I haven't, so I haven't weighed myself in almost two months now. I decided in May when I kind of started on this journey that I wasn't going to, 
because I was really looking to that as like a form of success as well. It's like, mm. am I going down? Am I doing this right? Um, and on one of the lives I had asked you for like advice about anxiety to get back on the scale and you were like, just don't. Oh, like that was huge too. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I could not get back on the scale. Um, but I feel very ready to now. And I'm yes interested and excited to see because I have been really proud of my consistency over the past couple months, even if it hasn't been that 80% number, it's been a huge change from what it was. Um, and I'm excited to see where I'm at when I get on the scale. That makes me super happy because anytime someone tells me like they're in this moment, they are currently anxious and nervous to step on the scale, not anytime, but many of the times I will say, well, then don't step on the scale because yeah. if you're anxious in this moment, no good is going to come from that. But now of your own accord, you've built up your own confidence enough to be like, cool, I could step on that scale and it won't matter because I know that scale doesn't tell me everything I need to know. So yeah. for, for you to get to that point on your own, that is exactly what I'm looking for. Like, I love that. Whereas if I said, Megan, just get on the scale, it probably would probably be like, screw you, number one. Number two, <laughs> it wouldn't have helped. But for you to yeah. get to the point on your own of being like, yeah, now if I, you know, I feel confident enough to start stepping on the scale and, and know that it's not the end all be all and know it's not telling me everything I need to know. And I know that it's just a tool. That's how you build up the knowledge and the resilience and the ability to use it properly rather than emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to be there. And I also am going to be going on vacation starting on Friday for a week and let's go. I'm excited to like let go and be able to do that. But I also think that having like having the view of what was I before I left and what was I coming back as a data point um, is going to be really helpful so that when I come back mm -hmm. I'm not just like, wow, I'm bloated and feel huge and whatever. Um, because I know that that's just from that rather than not doing enough. I've always said, if you go on vacation, and this could be vacation, this could be uh, the holiday season, it could be whatever it is. If you go on vacation and you don't gain several pounds for the vacation, <laughs> you probably didn't enjoy yourself, yeah. right? Like it, people ask me, like, should I be tracking my calories on vacation? I'm like, do you ask your boss if you should be answering your emails on vacation? <laughs> it's like vacation yeah. is a time to take a break. If you're lucky enough to get several weeks of vacation every year, then take it. It's a vacation. It is a vacation from everything. That's what it's for, to relax, to sleep. If you want to sleep in, sleep in. If you want to get up early and go and see nature, get up early and go and see nature. But you should not be meticulously tracking your calories on vacation. That's not what vacation's for. Yeah, it's definitely not. And <laughs> um, I look forward to this trip every year. My family lives in Boston. I go for the 4th of July. We have all of the good seafood, all of the good fried yes. food. Like it, it's something I look forward to all the time. And I absolutely do not want to spend it wondering about like how many calories I'm eating. It just is not fun. 4th of July in Boston. I grew up in Boston. 4th of July in Boston. Yeah. Amazing. I love it there. Um, I, do you like lobster rolls? I love lobster rolls. I plan okay. to have at least three. <laughs> <laughs> I hold on. I'm going to, I don't know if you go to this place. So I lived in Boston for like 18 years. Um, I'm going to tell you what, in my opinion, is the best 
lobster roll I've ever had in my entire life all over the world. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's in it's in Winthrop, Winthrop, Massachusetts, and it's okay. called Belle Isle Seafood. B E L L E Isle I S L E Seafood. Belle Isle Seafood. This place, when I first found it, was a tiny, tiny shack right on the water in Winthrop, and uh, they they literally they would catch the fish right off the water. They had a boat that would go in the water, they'd bring it back, and the restaurant was right on the water, tiny little shack, like literally the size of like maybe what my office is right now. And there would always be lines out the door. And in the last few years, they upgraded to a much bigger facility, like super happy for them because they do an incredible job. Still right on the water, they just got a, a bigger a bigger facility. And um, the most massive, like li- like the most outrageously huge fresh lobster rolls I've ever seen anywhere in the world. Amazing. If, if you are anywhere near there, it's worth a 45-minute to an hour drive for sure. And any time I go back, I'm like, that's my first stop. So if you love lobster rolls and you plan on getting some, I cannot <laughs> recommend that place enough. Awesome. Yeah, I will have to tell my family. I'm sure we're all big eaters. Um, so I'm sure they'd be willing to make that drive. That sounds amazing. <laughs> good, good. Um, Megan, do you and feel free to say no? Um, I forget if on our last call you did this or not. Would you like to share your social media in case anyone listening would like to reach out to you? And if not, you could say no, I'd rather stay private. That's fine. But if you would, uh, you're more than welcome to share it now. Yeah, unfortunately, I do have to stay private because of clients. Um, got, got okay. And I don't like to share that, but um, I am in the inner circle, so any of those members can talk to me in the Facebook group, and I'm happy to do that. I love that. So anyone who is in the inner circle, feel free to make a post in the inner circle Facebook group about Megan, about if you listen to this episode. Megan, I would like to uh, give you a free month in the inner circle. You've been incredibly generous with your time and your uh, and your openness and vulnerability. So could you do me a favor? Could you email Kat when this, when we get off and just like, you know, Jordan at sitefitness.com and, and just say, Hey, just got off the podcast with Jordan. And, and he said, he's going to give me a free month. Uh, I want to, I want to give you that as my way of at the very least, just saying thank you for all the time that you've given me and the openness and, and vulnerability and everything. Cause I don't know if you fully understand, like this is, this is helping thousands and thousands of people. And I really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you. That's so sweet. I I really appreciate you. This has been so helpful and so impactful for me. And uh, I'm just excited to make some big changes and let you know eventually where I end up. Good. Please, please keep me posted with your progress. Email me right now so I can give you that free month. And you got to go to Belle Isle Seafood. So let me know. All right. Awesome. I totally will. Thank you so much, Jordan. Have a wonderful day, Megan. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you want to join the Calorie Cycling Challenge, you can do that at the link in the show notes or just go to www.jordansyatt.com. Three winners will get $1,000 and everybody who joins gets a free month in the Inner Circle. Have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon.